Hi friends, this is Self-Care and Soul Care for the Caregiver, and I'm your host, Sandra Peoples. To us, self-care isn't a luxury, it's a necessity. We need to take better care of ourselves so we can care for those God has entrusted to us. You're listening to episode 47, and today I'm reflecting on the 10-year anniversary of our son James's autism diagnosis. Becoming a caregiver isn't something most of us prepared for or could have anticipated. It becomes part of our identity when we hear a diagnosis for our child or spouse. Hearing the words, we believe your son has autism, changed everything for us. And I know hearing your child or spouse's diagnosis changed so much for you. But we can get so focused on the day-to-day care, we don't take time to look at the big picture of what God is doing in our lives as caregivers. That's why it's important to reflect on these big milestones, like the 10-year anniversary. One phrase you'll hear me say again and again is, remember and tell what God has done. It's a theme in the Old Testament and a theme in my life. Remembering and telling helps us face what's to come because we can see that God has never failed us. So today, as I remember the last 10 years, I'll tell you what his diagnosis process was like for us, the highs and lows since then, and some of our dreams for the future. Before we jump in, let me tell you what's happening on my Patreon page this month. We're adding new pages to the Abiding Caregiver Planner. I'll share the video version of my upcoming interview with Diane Doko Kim about handling family stress at the holidays and more. At the end of this episode, I'll share how to get all the resources available at patreon.com slash sandrapeoples. That's just for supporters. A few days ago, I was getting ready for this episode, and I read a book that I hadn't opened on my Kindle in years. It is Speechless, the book that I wrote about the first year of our lives after James's diagnosis. I chronicled all the doctor's appointments, therapies, diet changes, school transitions, and what a day in the life was like for us then. I also wrote about what God was doing in my life at that time as he stripped down some idols and taught me more about his presence and power. So even if the details of what happened in November of 2010 and in the months following have faded from memory, I can read about them in that book. And so the first thing I want to talk about today is what the diagnosis process was like for us back then. At James's three-year well visit, I had decided to be honest with his pediatrician about the delays that we saw and the concerns that we had. I wrote this in Speechless. He doesn't talk, but he used to. He doesn't play with the other kids. He doesn't react when his dad gets home from work. Sometimes, even though he's in the room, it's like he's not really with us. So the pediatrician listened to my concerns, and then she checked for skills that he should have had at that point. She asked him to draw a circle, and he couldn't. He, he couldn't even hold the crayon. She asked him if he was a boy or a girl. He said nothing. She asked me if he could dress himself. He couldn't, but he did love to undress himself. At the end of that appointment, I thought something must really be wrong, uh, but I put off calling the number that she gave me for an evaluation through the school system because I was scared. Finally, after a couple of weeks, I made the call and set the appointment. So on November 16th, Lee told James to do his best worst as we walked into the elementary school where James would be tested. Our prayer was that they would get an accurate picture of what he could do and not do. 
We met with a speech therapist, occupational therapist, and a psychologist. After an hour of playing with James and asking us questions, the three of them left the room. When they returned, the psychiatrist sat down with us while the SLP and the OT went back to playing with James. She said, based on his testing today and our observations, we believe James has autism. And with that, our, our lives changed. Uh, I've told lots of parents over the years since then how helpful getting a diagnosis is. That uh, a diagnosis leads to other steps that, that provide services for you. But it can also be really scary. And an autism diagnosis especially is scary because you don't know what life will look like for your family with that diagnosis. Every autistic person is so different, and at that point, the diagnosis didn't include levels 1, 2, and 3 like it does now. So we didn't know what our lives would look like going forward after getting that diagnosis. But it's been 10 years now since that day, and there have certainly been highs and lows. Um, And I thought it would be fun to talk through some of those. So let's start with the lows because understanding how hard it has been at times helps me be even more thankful for the easier times. Okay, so the four lows that I could think of, the first one, feeling excluded by friends. Um, That started pretty early. When I was reading through Speechless, a story came up about how James wasn't invited to a birthday party uh, for one of his peers when he was like three or four years old um, and how hurtful that was to us then. And and we're still excluded. We're not always invited to things. Uh, People don't always do that intentionally to hurt us. It's just often easier for us not to get out and not to go to other people's houses, um, but it still hurts to be excluded. The second low is a story I remember very clearly. We were on our way back from North Carolina, where my husband's parents lived, back to Texas a few years ago, uh, and we stopped for lunch at Bojangles, and James was making a lot of noise when we stopped and were waiting for our food, and a couple at the booth next to us moved away because he was just making too much noise. Now, I've talked about this before here on the podcast, so I won't go into it a whole lot, but um, that situation has held me back from so much. <laughs> and I'm still working to overcome the feelings that I felt when they moved away from us and when when it was such a clear situation that um, we weren't meeting the expectations of the people around us and that they we were really judged for that. Um, so that is a definite low uh, that comes to mind often, but one that I'm still um, working to get over. So the third low uh, was one hard school year that included a visit from uh, CPS, Child Protective Services. I don't think I've talked about this on the podcast before. I'll tell you like the shortest version of the story. So in our first year of living in Texas, James was coming home from school with blood in the back of his undies. Uh, I tried (laughs) to ignore it for a while, but it was happening almost every day. Um, We started to fear sexual abuse, uh, especially because he had a male aide in his elementary class at the time, and um, it was just really, really scary. So we talked to a friend, and that friend called CPS because he was a mandated reporter. The next time James came home with blood in his undies, we took him to a pediatric ER for an examination with a sexual assault nurse. 
that nurse was required to report the situation to the police, so we talked to them too. The nurse determined that James had diaper rash that was being wiped too roughly at school, and that is what was causing the bleeding. We were happy that that was the result and that it could be easily fixed, but James's teacher and the team at school did not respond well to that situation. They ended up calling CPS on us, claiming that his diaper rash was due to our negligence. Um, And as nice as the CPS workers were, it's still really stressful to experience, um, to have your parenting evaluated by strangers, especially when they come in and ask your kids questions and one of your kids can't answer those questions. I was really thankful when James was transferred to a new school that next year and we were not around that team anymore. Okay, the fourth uh, low came up this year at the beginning of the pandemic. It was an increase in his anxiety uh, and his self-interest behavior and his aggression. Uh, If you've been listening to the podcast this year, you walked through that with us, especially if you followed me on social media and saw us reflect on that. It was a worst case scenario, really, for James and for us, but we found a good psychiatrist who has been a huge help And James is doing better, feeling more comfortable, less stress, less anxiety. And of course, being back in his school routine is a big help for that too. Okay, so I have five highs now. So now that we hit the lows, let's do the highs next. The first one is each time James says a new word. Man, there is nothing like hearing him say something that he has never said before or putting together a sentence that he's never put together before. In the last year, he's worked on being able to say our names. Like we can say, what's mommy's name? And he'll say, Sandra, what's daddy's name? What's brother's name? What's the dog's name? Um, And that's really important. Uh, He also learned my phone number and our address. Uh, We're so proud of him each time he's able to express himself or learn something new that could help keep him safe in the future. The next high is potty training progress. This goes along with one of our biggest prayer requests for him, that his tummy wouldn't hurt, that he has had tummy issues uh, since even before he was diagnosed. But in the last year, he has overcome a lot of his chronic constipation. And earlier this summer, he stopped wearing pull-ups at night. Like, he just decided he was done and has never had an accident since. There's still more independent steps he can take in his toileting, but these are huge accomplishments that we really celebrated. The third high is every other school year besides that one really hard year. Truly, every other year has been great. We've had good teachers. We've had good support staff. Each one of them has helped him grow and learn in different ways, and we can tell that they care for James and enjoy him, not that they just tolerate him, and that is a huge blessing to us. All right, the fourth high is the circle of support that has existed and continues to change based on his progress and needs. When I was reading back over Speechless, it reminded me of all the therapists and helpers that we had in those early days when we lived in Pennsylvania. And I can name people God has brought into our lives every year since then. There are times that we have felt lonely and like we weren't getting the help that we were so desperate for, 
But God is faithful, and I can see him working to bring people into our lives with the exact skill set that we need at the exact right time. Okay, those are the highs and the lows. Uh, Reflecting on the past makes us look ahead to the future. Uh, The boys both had birthdays recently, and so we are thinking more and more about what life will look like for our family in the coming years. In fact, our older son, David, who turned 15 recently, is a guest on this week's episode of Rising Above Ministries podcast. And during the interview, Becky asked David a question about his future that we hadn't even asked him yet. And his answer surprised us. Uh, I won't give it away. So you'll have to listen to hear what he said uh, on the Rising Above podcast. And that episode releases November 2nd. But that discussion led us to ask questions like, what can we do now to help James be more independent in the future? And what supports will our family need over the next few years? Uh, The potty training gains have been huge for James and for us. And they have reminded us that he is still making progress. Next, we hope to help transition him to taking showers instead of baths and being more independent with his self-care routines, including picking out his own clothes. He may also be able to do more in the kitchen, like get his own snacks and use the microwave and toaster oven with supervision. On Instagram last week, I shared that I need to widen our circle of helpers even more so I don't always have to rely on my parents and on David. That will mean working on some of James's communication skills, like answering yes and no to a bigger variety of questions. We usually understand what he means most of the time, but someone outside of our family wouldn't be able to understand. And that could lead to a lot of anxiety and stress for James. As I continue to think of goals for James's future, I'll reverse engineer them and break them down into small steps that we can take each one at a time. Taking time to reflect on the last 10 years reminds me that no matter what we face in the future, we can trust God to guide us and show us his love each and every day. I think of Proverbs 69 that says, the heart of a man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. So even as I plan and dream about our future, I pray that God would establish the steps that we will take and guide us as we make decisions. Thanks for spending this time with me today as I reflected on the 10 years since James's autism diagnosis. I'm kind of surprised that I got through it without crying, honestly, but knowing that you have your own stories of getting a diagnosis, the highs and lows since then, and even dreams about your future, that makes me feel less alone and really keeps me encouraged. Let me wrap up our time together in prayer like we do each week. God, 10 years ago, I called a family friend and shared the news of James's diagnosis. She replied with a verse that has encouraged me each season since that time. Psalm 125, 6 says, Those who sow in tears shall reap with shouts of joy. Over the last 10 years, there have been tears and shouts of joy, and you have been there for them all. Thank you for your presence in our lives. You are Emmanuel, God with us. I wake up with that promise on my mind every morning and fall asleep to it every night. And when it gets hard, like really hard, I'm reminded of Jesus' question to his disciples in John 6. 
do you want to go away as well, he asked. My answer echoes Peter's, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life, and we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. I have believed and I have come to know. Thank you for your faithfulness to our family over these last 10 years. And I pray for your guidance over the next 10 and every year to come. In Jesus' name, amen. Now let me tell you really quickly more about what's available on patreon.com slash Sandra Peoples. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com. Patreon is a site that lets you become a patron of content creators who are doing work you appreciate. There's a saying that I'm often reminded of, the content is free, but it isn't cheap. Patreon is a way to financially support me for the work I do, and as a thank you from me, you get bonus content just for Patreon supporters like the Abiding Caregiver Planner pages. This month's pages include printables for planning Thanksgiving and Christmas. The levels of support include $5, $9, or $75 a month. You can read more about all of that at patreon.com slash sandrapeoples and sign up today if you're interested. Thank you as always for listening and sharing this episode with your friends. I'm praying for you this week as you fulfill your calling as an abiding caregiver.